Hello, everyone. This is Shireen Gentry with the Identity Unveiled podcast. Today, I would like to address a topic that is crucial to our well-being, our relationship with food. And who doesn't love good food? We create memories around our meals. I find it interesting that we as a country and culture obsess at each end of the spectrum. We have an all-or-nothing attitude regarding eating healthy or eating poorly, exercising too much or not enough. And we do these things uh, compulsively in either extreme. How do we find a healthy way of looking at lifestyle and, yes, these daily choices that involve food? As I type this manuscript, it's vacation week for us. That being said, there will be foods that I prepare and eat that I normally don't. And it's okay to associate certain events with trying and enjoying food. Examples are special occasions, just like vacation week, trips to different places, and holidays. My husband and I enjoy travel, and one of the things that is fascinating to me is to visit a different culture and see what their foods are. But what I want you to think about today, as you listen, is the pattern of your eating, not the atypical times I just mentioned. The goal of this podcast is to help you think broadly, deeply, and even spiritually with who you are and your relationship with food. In addition, this is not about shaming. I truly want you to consider your own relationship with food as it currently stands so you can start thinking differently and acting differently from this point forward. So here are some questions for your consideration. Do you have mastery over what you eat? Or has what you've eaten gained mastery over you? And by that, I'm referring to the cravings that you have. Do you use food as a comfort for uncomfortable emotions? Third, do you find yourself frustrated over unsustainable quick fixes that just aren't sustainable? I want to make the connection between your spiritual being and your physical being rather than compartmentalizing who we are in Christ from our responsibility for holy and honorable self-care. Because of the identity God has given you, how you steward your body is a direct reflection of how you view yourself and your Creator. To not care for your physical and psychological being indirectly indicates the lack of honor you give to yourself and him. Here's what we know. Number one, nutrition is confusing because it's constantly changing. Number two, according to the CDC, the United States is ranked third in the world for compulsive eating. Number three, we are a country of quick fixes. If diets worked, we would all be thin. Number four, we haven't been taught the value of eating well. As a life coach credentialed in health and wellness, I pose the following question using a Likert scale 
for self-rating your current relationship with food. So on a scale of one to five, with one being my daily eating is very unhealthy, range, mark yourself in that range from one to five, with one being unhealthy and five being my eating pattern is very healthy. And see where along that scale you rate yourself. If you've read my book, Identity Unveiled, the first part of my book talks about backstory. The same concept can be applied to your relationship with food. With every area of life, we each have a backstory. So here's my backstory. My earliest memories recall that I was a very picky eater as a young child. I was told to clean my plate. During my teenage years, I could really eat junk food with the best of them. Not that I was the worst, but I certainly could have done better. My best friend in high school had her driver's license before I did, so on Fridays we left school early to eat at a local hot dog hangout. My order was the same each week. Foot-long hot dog, fries, and Coke. Then we would go next door to a pastry shop for a chocolate eclair. My grandmother, uh, who I lived with, made the best pan-fried chicken. She was a firm believer that breakfast was the most important meal of the day, so I never went to school without a huge breakfast. Juice, coffee, milk, along with an entree of some kind. I recall pancakes with the smell of melted butter, and at the very least, cereal of some kind, or perhaps Pop-Tarts toasted with melted butter. I would spend Friday nights with my parents, and I remember Dad making the best-tasting spaghetti sauce. Every now and then, my mom would fix something, and my favorite dish that she fixed was a tuna noodle cheesy casserole in a crock pot. My first two years of college included a combined tuition and food plan so I could return to the food line as many times as I wanted for every meal of the day. This eventually caught up with me in the spring semester of my freshman year, known as the Freshman 15. And when I would go home on college breaks, my grandmother made my favorites upon returning home, and these things included macaroni and cheese out of a box and chocolate pudding. Only after I was married and my husband was in professional school did I begin to pay attention to what I was eating. I took only baby steps of change. But what's ironic to me is that while I was growing up and the years of college and early adulthood, we knew very little about nutrition. But the obesity rate was nothing like it is now. So something has happened in our culture. Something has happened to us. So how do we gain mastery with a healthy mindset? It can be helpful for you to look back to see what was either role modeled in your family of origin or beliefs that were ingrained at an early age. For instance, clean your plate. The question for you to consider is whether your backstory feeds into your current view and use of food. If not, Maybe there was a significant life event or stressor that came, became the impetus for unhealthy eating patterns. For instance, the death of a loved one, divorce, abuse of some kind. And in these situations, a life event gets connected 
with a negative behavior which then perpetuates itself. So where do we start? Well, why don't we consider that this is a spiritual issue? First, we are clearly told that our bodies house the Holy Spirit of God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? 1 Corinthians 6.19 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 And what about those stumbling blocks? I find it curious that certain denominations use 1 Corinthians 8.9 only within the context of alcohol. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. But here are some important, truthful takeaways. Number one, if you or anyone in your family has a history of alcohol addiction and vulnerability, by all means, people who know this should not serve alcohol in your presence. It would be a stumbling block for you or that person in your family. Number two, the Bible does not speak against drinking. It speaks against drunkenness. The argument that biblical wine was watered down is weak and without historical fact or merit. If that were true, then scripture wouldn't tell us to, quote, not be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18. If it were watered down, like some cling to that belief, then people would die of excess water consumption. So why would scripture put up this boundary? Well, think about what you've seen in your own life when this boundary of drunkenness is crossed. In my book, I discuss this. The events that occurred as a result of drunkenness are memories I wish I could erase. The negative effects of alcoholism are real and problematic when it comes to our loved ones. National news and college campuses across the country are a sad testimony as to what happens when this occurs. Deaths, rape, out-of-control anger, just to name a few. That scriptural boundary is there for our protection. So why do these denominations speak so boldly against a glass of wine, yet say nothing about sugar addictions, gluttony, and obesity? The irony of it all. My vulnerability is sugar, and I know that. If someone put beer, wine, or any other alcoholic drink in front of me, it has absolutely no temptation for me. But that is not the case for people who struggle with this. I know what my stumbling block is, and I must be very intentional with boundary setting in this area. If I buy peanut M&Ms, I will consume them in massive amounts. There's no such thing as moderation. So this is my proverbial Achilles heel. But truthfully, you cannot eat what you do not buy. So what about you? What's your stumbling block? The first step toward change is knowledge. What do you not have control over? What is too much of a temptation to have in your home? Have you ever documented a week's worth of eating and drinking? The first step of action toward changing your pattern, there's that word again, is being mindful of what and how food impacts your daily life. Think about your backstory with food. 
Think about your current story with food. In addition, think about your beliefs about food. A while back, I was checking out at the grocery store when the cashier noticed my food purchases, and she said, wow, look at your healthy food. I responded that I tried to be intentional with good food choices. And her belief about her relationship with food was quickly noticed when she responded, something's going to get me one day, so why pay attention to what I eat? I was shocked, but herein lies her belief about food that what she ate didn't matter. I mentioned this in my exercise podcast, but the only thing I know for certain about my biological heritage is that the person I believe to be my birth father, the last Shah of Iran, died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Other than that, I have no idea what's working against me from a genetic standpoint. But my point is this. Because I don't have knowledge about what genetics has handed me, I do have knowledge and control over my own lifestyle choices. That is the belief that drives me daily toward good choices. You too have that choice. Don't let your family history of hypertension, cholesterol, or heart disease be an excuse for you not to gain mastery over your own choices. Why not decide to change your lifestyle before defaulting to quick fixes? Talk to your doctor about nutrition. Remember, it's always easier for your doctors to write you a prescription than for them to talk with you about changes that might be a little bit more difficult but will reap dividends. Here's another belief that maybe you can relate to. Every meal must have a complex carb, bread, or dessert. Many people live their lives with this unconscious belief because meals look a certain way. This belief must be recognized, challenged, and then changed. Here's another thing to think about, to disassociate. Perhaps you've created a learned pattern of eating food when you are emotionally sad or stressed. The great news is that you can establish a new pattern in handling your emotions. Women are at great risk for weight gain if they grew up in a home where the men had the answers. Now think about that. That's a sad and interesting point. But we need to disassociate the stressors in our lives with our current behaviors. This is an easy acrostic to get you started. It was actually part of my coaching credentialing in health and wellness. So think about the word rise, R-I-S-E, rise up. The R stands for reduce stress. Perhaps eating has been your go-to for a season of stress. During COVID, this is exactly what has happened. We already have a pattern for people that's been named quarantine 15. So the first thing you may want to consider is if you eat out of stress, how can you reduce the stress in your life? The second part of rise up is the I, increase your confession, meaning, hey, I'm eating for the wrong reason. Perhaps you've got some negative emotions right now, 
and they come instead of grabbing the salty or the sweet foods let those negative feelings come and let them go know that they won't last the s in rise up stands for substitute another action what is something else you can turn to when you want to reach out and grab food pick another activity reading going for a walk listening to music drinking water many times when you think you're hungry you're actually dehydrated water also reduces the amount of extra cortisol the stress hormone that is produced in your bodies when you're stressed and then lastly e eliminate the reasons you eat this is another way in looking at and just challenging your beliefs and one of those beliefs might be i'm just too busy i need to eat what's easy and accessible even though it might not be healthy so there's the backstory there are your beliefs perhaps you need to disassociate your negative emotions and rise up let's take some realistic steps toward change and consider the following these are just some things for you to think about as you address and ponder your relationship with food first assess your relationship on that likert scale that i gave you earlier examine your backstory and beliefs about food past and present identify the main culprits in your diet start there by deleting and substituting a healthy alternative focus on health not diet diet assumes short term health assumes long term lifestyle eat whole foods chicken fish vegetables fruit healthy fats live for leftovers this greatly assists with the quote i don't have time in quote mindset your belief about eating healthy always create leftovers steer clear of aisles where packaged foods abound assume responsibility get accountability if needed if you're married i encourage a team approach to healthy eating allow flexibility for those atypical occasions like me on my vacation week this week remember that the absence of disease is not health so what do we know from the field of science and nutrition what can they tell us how about the rule of 7 if you're a really picky eater trying to only eat those things that are not necessarily good for you keep in mind the rule of 7 seven separate exposures to a healthy food are required to gain an acquired taste remember the rule of 2 two bites are all that are needed for your brain to crave that unhealthy food if it doesn't become a free for all for you then take only two bites of whatever it is you are craving let that be it the rule of 1 one finger rule for food labels if the ingredients for an item contain a long list of ingredients then put it back on the shelf and put it back if there are words that 
you do not know what they mean and you cannot say them or they have too many syllables. That's a huge clue. Rule of three, three days to crush a craving. Whatever you are craving is the very food that should be deleted from your eating. And remember, it will probably take right around three days for that craving to go away. I haven't spoken to this, but keep in mind that many gluten-free foods only substitute unhealthy substitutes. If you think you're getting a healthier alternative, especially if you're trying to lose weight, but you actually, you aren't, remember that it's easily a marketing ploy for purchase. I'd love for you to pick up a copy of my book, Change Unveiled, available on Amazon if you're looking to make changes in your health and food consumption. I propose an action plan for you to make realistic changes in your relationship with food. If you have specific health challenges, here are some eating plans you might want to consider. The DASH eating plan is for hypertension. The MIND eating plan, and that's M-I-N-D, is for brain health. In this current world of COVID, especially when we are looking toward the government for a remedy for immunity, why wouldn't we first look to ourselves as daughters and sons of the King of Kings who has designed us in his image with volition? Why wouldn't we first look to ourselves with what is totally within our control rather than outside of ourselves for the total solution? I can't control any part of vaccine or therapeutics, but I can control my own self-care for immunity. Some immune, immunity boosters are getting some vitamin D, limiting sugar, getting plenty of sleep, and exercising. Treasure your body. Take care of your body. You are a daughter of the King of Kings. Every day you dine with your creator. He has deemed you of great worth. Why not take care of you? Let me hear from you and feel free to email me at hopeunveiled at gmail.com. Forget excuses, forego blame, and forge a new plan today. Of course you can change. Remember, the healthy goal and mindset is progress, not perfection, with exception. Until next time, this is Shireen Gentry with the Identity Unveiled podcast.